You know, we sing songs like that, and we read some of the passages that we've been reading, and just in our general thought, it, to me at least, it seems like it, it should be easy to follow God. You know, I mean, it, you know, it's sort of like if, if the Bible's sort of the manual for how we're to live, well, you know, if it's like an owner's manual, right? Well, if you follow the owner's manual, usually it means your car operates really nicely. You know, it's when you don't that it, it messes up and becomes really hard and you've got to pay a lot of money to get it fixed and those kind of things. But it's not that way. It, it doesn't work that way. And there's really one main reason why that we'll look at today in our passage. And that's because there are forces at work in this world that oppose the work of God directly. It put walls up at every turn as God seeks to work in me and in you, in us, and in our world. They want to keep us. Those, those powers that be want to keep us in bondage. Want to keep us from experiencing the freedom of God. And whether... Um, the scriptures give different words, different titles, the devil, the Satan, uh, the adversary, the evil one, the, the personification of evil. Who is at work in our world opposing the work of God? Now, we'll talk a little bit later about maybe why or some possibilities for why. But for me, that becomes obvious just as I see the systemic evil in our world. One particular example is in our own neighborhood. You know, that that Pleasant Hill School has over 90% of its students who are free and reduced lunch. 90% of the students at our local elementary school live in poverty. How did that happen? And how do they all be at the same school when in our city, a third of the students in our city live in poverty? I believe that the citizens of our city have good intentions. I believe, maybe some of you don't, but I believe, even against some of you curmudgeons, that those who are elected officials have good intentions. I I believe that that it's not some humanly organized work that puts up such evil, systemic evil in our world. To me, that's the greatest apologetic, the the, the greatest reason to believe in the personification of evil and the work of the devil is to see not only in our neighborhood but in our world systemic evil around us. Whether it's Things like that and concentrations of of poverty or whether it's sex trafficking, whether today there are more slaves in our world than any time in human history. How does that happen? But there is an organized work to oppose the ways of God. And as we journey with Christ... As we are on this exodus journey, being freed from the bondage of evil, in order to be freed to do what God wants us to do, we will face powers that oppose us. It will not be easy. Those powers will want to keep us in bondage. Now, in our our passage today, we'll see that 
uh, with Moses. Uh, just a little uh, background. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 5. Uh, but uh, um, if you read, by the way, uh, for our Lenten uh, journey, if you weren't here last week or didn't get one, uh, should be bookmarks that give you some le- reading guidance as we read through Exodus uh, during these five weeks of Lent. Uh, this, th- if you didn't read the first five chapters, that's all right. You can just double up. Just read two chapters a week this week, and you'll be caught up by next Sunday as we're reading through Exodus. So be sure to get one of those. But in the, the beginning part, we see the call of Moses, even as a baby, to be leading God's people um, out of oppression. Um, we uh, looked particularly last week at, at God's call to Moses as he appeared in a burning bush to him, a, burn, a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And he called Moses to lead God's people out of oppression, out of slavery, into the freedom of the promised land that God had for them. And Moses was a very reluctant leader. He, he tried to come up with every excuse possible to say, basically, God, well then, actually at the end of his conversation with God, he said, God, can't you just pick somebody else? Let me just be a fan. You know, I'll cheer you on on the sidelines, but I'm not the one that wants to be on the field of battle. But eventually, Moses said, okay, I will lead. I will, I will fulfill your calling for me. And he called Aaron, his brother, in, and they then, as we see today, appear before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to carry out God's call. It's Exodus chapter 5, uh, starting with verse 1, on page 45 in your pew Bibles, if you want to turn there. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your written word that speaks to us of your truth, that helps reveal to us things we don't see uh, with our own human eyes. Things we might sense and feel and face, but we don't, we don't see them. Show us. Show us not only the powers of evil that are around us, but show us again this day your mighty hand who is greater than anything that we face. Continue to reveal in us that the, the battle does belong to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, <clears throat> so afterwards, so after Moses and Aaron have this conversation with God and, and have, um, he, he's finally brought on board, now he and Aaron come in to Pharaoh and man, they are pumped. Okay? Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go so that they may celebrate a festival to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should heed him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has revealed himself to us. Let us go a three days journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord our God, or he will fall upon us with pestilence or sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their work? Get to your labors. Pharaoh continued. Now they are more numerous than the people of the land, and yet you want them to stop working? 
That same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people as well as their supervisors, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But you shall require of them the same quantity of bricks as they've made previously. Do not diminish it, for they are lazy. That is why they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on them. Then they will labor at it and pay no attention to deceptive words. So the taskmasters and the supervisors of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be lessened in the least. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, the same daily assignment as when you were given straw. And the supervisors of the Israelites, whom whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why did you not finish the required quantity of bricks yesterday and today as you did before? Then the Israelite supervisors came to Pharaoh and cried, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. Look how your servants are beaten. You are unjust to your own people, he said. You are lazy. Lazy. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, but you shall still deliver the same number of bricks. The Israelite supervisors saw that they were in trouble when they were told, you shall not lessen your daily number of bricks. As they left Pharaoh, they came upon Moses and Aaron, who were waiting to meet them. They said to them, the Lord look upon you and judge You've brought us into bad odor with Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you mistreated this people? Why did you ever send me? Since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has mistreated this people and you've done nothing at all to deliver your people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now, You shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Indeed, by a mighty hand, he will let them go. By a mighty hand, he will drive them out of his land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the battle lines are drawn in this passage between God and Pharaoh. The real question is, who will prevail? I mean, Moses comes out, guns a-blazing. He is is with gusto. He and Aaron, they come out and they demand. They demand from Pharaoh, I let God's people go. Then, verse 2, Pharaoh, who's God? Who are you talking about? I I don't know him, nor am I worried about him, so... I'm not going to do anything that you tell me to do. Just take a note there. Just take a, a real note there that why do we expect people who don't know Jesus to care? Why do we expect people who don't know God to be on, on board with what God is doing? Moses Thought it was going to be easy, Aaron. They jumped in. They just thought Pharaoh was going to jump right in line. Now, it's a great blessing 
when others do, who don't know God, jump in line. It's great blessing when people who we don't expect, who, who aren't necessarily in the church or in our church, jump in line with what God is doing. We can't expect it from people of this world. Yesterday, I was at the, uh, uh, a brunch for New Life Covenant Church. Sherman Bradley and Sedell Bradley, who've preached and sung here um, before, started a church about a year ago. And, and their story, <clears throat> great plan, great mission, call of God, three or four years ago, to start a church in downtown that's going to be multiracial, multi-economic, multi-generational, and it took them two years to find a school that would let them meet there on Sunday. Two years, because the principals and the administrators in those particular schools weren't interested in what the church was doing. Either it was a risk they didn't want to take, or it was something that they really weren't for. Until finally, they knocked on the door of Taft High School. And it just so happens, the principal, Taft High School, is a part-time pastor at a little Baptist church in Covington. And so when they shared what God had called them to do, two years after they started their journey, he opened the doors wide. He was at the event yesterday celebrating with them their first year of existence and how joyous it was that they, he and the school could join with the church in loving the city. But that the exception and it took two years to get there and a lot of negotiation and closed doors Pharaoh the evil one doesn't just give words of opposition say no I'm not going to do it then he actively works to destroy the work of liberation that God is calling Moses to lead he, he makes things harder with intimidation and power. He closes the door over and over again just to, to see if really they're, they're walking with God or if with just a little intimidation and power, a few knows that folks will stop following the call of God. I mean, verse 7 and 8 says, now you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But you shall require of them the same quantity of bricks as they've made previously. Do not diminish it. He makes it hard. The, the forces of evil make it hard to stop God's people from following God on this journey of liberation. I remember when we were keeping foster children in... Uh, in Mobile, we would keep foster babies. We would get babies from the hospital. And we would keep them for a season until their adoption was clear or their home was ready for them to go. And one, one particular um, baby was uh, a heroin baby. He was born to a heroin addict. And um, they, they told us the story of heroin, that, that heroin, it is so vicious to get off of heroin. The withdrawal symptoms are so vicious the, when, when someone wants to get off of heroin, things get a whole lot worse before they get better. 
Isn't that the case often in any addiction, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, whether it's food, whatever the addiction might be, things get worse before they get better. We have withdrawal symptoms. Well, with heroin, they're they're so bad that when the mother's pregnant, they don't take her off of the drug because if they did, they took her off cold turkey, then the baby would be severely damaged because of the withdrawal symptoms the mother's baby would go, the mother's body would go through and maybe die. So they have to keep her on some synthetic form that masks heroin to keep the withdrawal symptoms at bay. Because even though that negatively impacts the baby, it's a better option than the withdrawal. When when we, what an example of when we go to fall God's ways of liberation, there's going to be withdrawal. There's there's going to be, even within us, powers and voices that that say to us, that make it harder to take that step. One of the voices, as we see in the passage, if you look at verse 17, what uh, Pharaoh starts calling the people names. He, He lays blame on the people. He said, you are lazy Lazy, that is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. He makes it hard, and then he starts laying blame on them. You can't do it. You you don't really want freedom. This is just because you're lazy. You're not really set up to, to pursue God's freedom. You're not worthy. You ever hear those little voices? As you step into following the way of God. You can't do it. Because you're lazy, you're unable, you're, you're broken, you're not worthy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, indeed you are able through Him who lives in you. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a child of the King. One for whom he lived and died and rose and is coming back again. And you are worthy and able, not because of your own strategy or strength, but you're worthy and able because of the one who lives in you, who died for you, and who one day is coming to rescue you completely. But the evil one will throw blame at you, will call you all kinds of names, trying to convince you that you aren't worthy. And it's a lie since Pharaoh's day. And then finally, see what he does in verse 20 and 21, the results of some of his actions. As they left Pharaoh, as Israelites left Pharaoh, they came upon Moses and Aaron who were waiting to meet them. They said to them, The Lord look upon you and judge. You've brought us into bad odor with Pharaoh. And that's a great little turn of phrase, isn't it? You stink. We stink with Pharaoh. And his officials, and they're ready to slaughter us. A little exaggeration. But what Pharaoh did was cause division. The, the evil one will make it harder. He'll try to get us to turn around. The evil one will be at work calling us all kinds of names that we're not worthy. And the evil one will be at work causing division as we seek to follow the way of God. Now, it, Pharaoh, and the evil one, in their clever ways, 
are brilliant and that what they get the people to do is focus on everything else but God. You notice that? They focus on everything. They focus on the task. This task is impossible. There's no way that this can happen. There's no way this change can occur. There's no way we'll bring freedom and bondage, which is a very denial of the, the power of God. They, they focus on themselves. I'm not able. You know, I'm broken. I can't do this. We focus on our own inability, just like Moses did at the beginning. We don't have what it takes. Or they focus on one another. And they start to blame, point fingers. It's their fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's their fault. We focus anywhere but God as we face the struggle, the pain, the opposition following the way of God. But then, look at Moses. Verse 22. He gives us the, the great model here. After he gets, after he, he's been knocked upside the head. I mean, he thinks he's about to lead a parade. Right? And now Pharaoh's thrown him out and now his own people have turned on him. So, but he turns to God, but he turns to God in open honesty, right? He doesn't try to use highfalutin language or anything like that. He just comes to God and says, God, what are you doing? Lord, why have you mistreated this people? Why did you ever send me? Since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has mistreated this people and you've done nothing to deliver your people. Don't you love that? I love that about Moses and how he is a great leader, a great example for us. He doesn't come before God with anything but who he is. He just shares what's on his heart. Let that be a great rule for us. How do we pray correctly? Well, we pray honestly. We pray what's on our heart, and that's what Moses does here. God, what are you doing? And He leads us in the way as we are on this great journey, grand journey with God to freedom. We will face opposition. And it will lead us to our knees. And God's answer. The beginning of chapter 6. Now we shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Indeed, by a mighty hand, He will let them go. By a mighty hand, He will drive them out of His land. On this journey, on this journey when we face oppositions, here's the reason that I think God allows for the opposition to occur. He allows it to occur because, one, it shows just how powerful God's mighty hand is. That's God's answer to Moses right now. Isn't isn't it set? It looks like there's just no way you can win, right? Look, you're turned against one another. You don't believe in me or in one another or in yourself. And and now you're just complaining about how hard it is. Now watch my mighty hand bring this about. Ultimately, it is for what we've just been singing about. It is for God's glory. It is for God's power. It is for His name to be proclaimed and shown and praised by the whole world. Those that are for Him or those that are against Him. The purpose of God's work is to proclaim God's glory. And the second purpose 
is to develop in you and in me and all of God's people a deeper faith, a trust in Him. Developing within us a knee-jerk reaction to just cry out to God when we face the opposition that we face in this life. And the opposition is great. It's, it's painful. It's hard. And it is direct. But God is greater still. Wherever you are on your, your journey of freedom, wherever the, the place is that God has you and is calling you into, into a new place, into a new step of experiencing the liberation that only He can bring, I just want you to know, expect opposition. Now, don't, you'll, you'll be surprised by it. I am every time. I'm sort of surprised I'm surprised anymore. But just eventually, you'll catch yourself and you'll say, Oh, yeah. Remember Pharaoh? And then remember Moses. All right, God, what are you doing? God can handle it. He can handle our honest supplication to Him that we cry out to Him. If it's an addiction that, that you're facing, that God's calling you to free, uh, free you from, if it's a relationship in need of reconciliation, no. That if you, you take a step towards freedom, it, it'll get harder before it gets easier. Because of the opposition that's before us. And in a way, that is why I love serving in a church in an urban setting. I love because of the challenges that we face of, of saying that we want to be connected in one another in Jesus. You know, no matter our differences, that we want to cross over race and economics. We want to cross over intellectual abilities and, and background and ethnicity, we, generation. That, that we want to be unified in Jesus. Man, that, that's sociologically, that doesn't happen naturally, only supernaturally. And that, that we're saying, all right, with Pleasant Hill School, we, we recognize that there's a brokenness to this system and we're coming alongside you and we're, we're ready. We're, we're jumping in with summer camp with you. And the, the principal has asked us to come lead the, the summer camp at the school. And, and she's working with a group here with three C's and the children's ministry saying, how do we come alongside the children of this school and, and who, who will, the future children, and the families that will be coming here when they're born. And, and already, that group has now two families who already have children at the school and two mothers who are pregnant, saying, right, we'll, we'll start with you. Meet with us. Help us in this journey from birth to sixth grade. And, and as the two turns into 20, turns into 40, well, we're, we're believing that God will lead. Now, it may be a 40-year journey. Remember, Exodus is 40 chapters and it lasts 40 years. It may be a 40-year journey. But we believe and trust and feel that God has called us to be a redemptive influence in partnering with the leadership of that school to pursue the liberation and freedom and joy and peace and truth that only God can bring. That's why I love uh, being in a church. I mean, it was great this week. Somebody threw a brick through my window in my office. 
And I'm like, all right, this is good. And, you know, we're, we're making somebody mad. If he wanted my sermons, I'd have given them to him for free. But that's the person that needs to hear about Jesus. And he's knocking on the door, a little too hard, but he's knocking on the door and at the wrong time. But he needs Jesus. And being surrounded by the opposition of following the liberation of God will only lead us to our knees and will only demonstrate the glory and power and magnificence of God. Amen.